Hi everyone, I'm Griffin, and I love kindergarten. This time on school, yeah, Chad and Clint try to fake each other out. Talk about the challenge of going in the tonight grade and brag about their lives in dad chat. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, this is Chad, enjoying the changing leaves and getting ready for five months of pouring rain in Astoria, Oregon. And I'm Clint, anxiously awaiting the inevitable drying out and cooling down of Roanoke, Virginia. Welcome to School Jet, the podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30-plus years of education experiences. And anything else we can come up with. This podcast is a think tank of cutting-edge content. The goal is to make a podcast that teachers and anyone else tell your friends find as fun and interesting as the teacher's lounge during lunch, but without the complaining. We don't complain. Well, yeah, sometimes we just complain. (laughs) And that's okay. All right, before we start this whole thing, Chad, I think it might be interesting for us to talk about a couple of things that I've seen recently, both in my personal life and in the entertainment world that I think our podcast may be predicting. (laughs) Okay. So the other day I was walking down into the art wing of our school, and while I was there, I noticed in the middle of the hall a delicious-looking chocolate chip cookie just sitting there. In the middle of the hallway, like we mentioned in one of our season one episodes. So I thought that was crazy. I did not eat it. Oh, that was going to be my next question. (laughs) I was sorely tempted (laughs) to pick it up and eat it. I can imagine. But I didn't. And then on Netflix, there's a show called American Vandal. Season one was about drawing naughty pictures on people's cars and throughout the school and so, and these two kids in like true crime documentary style try to figure out who was drawing these things. Okay. But anyway, the second season, a trailer just came out and I saw that and it is about uh, a similar situation to what you mentioned uh, in our last episode about the brown bomber. Um, a massive pooping incident in a high school and they're trying to solve who did it. Wow. It's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, our podcast is strongly connected to, uh, to the real world. That's pretty cool, man. So, Chad, do you remember last season when I told you what the abbreviated term for the Virginia Standardized Test is? The SOLs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, education has been out of control for decades with our use of ridiculous and usually unnecessary acronyms for everything we use so many so often it's easy to forget what those letters even stand for indeed and to make it worse these strange terms are different everywhere you go so we thought it'd be fun to do some digging find some bizarre educational acronyms and then see if the other one can figure out what they mean so we'll each share our acronym and then give three different possibilities for the meaning only one of which is right sort of like a two truths and a lie type situation so chad why don't you go ahead and give me yours first i'm gonna give give you the acronym and then tell you what it stands for and then just a little background for each of those. The acronym is WILF, W-I-L-F. Okay. A, what I'm looking for. So this is a teacher prompted activity or something that they would write on the board at the beginning of class to give students an idea of what the, the goal or the outcome is and what the teacher is looking for. Okay. B, win in life form. So this is a format for when a kid asks the question, when in life am I going to need this? Oh. This is a procedure that teachers use to answer that question. And then C 
is why I like Fridays. This was implemented by a school district when there was some morale issues with staff. And so they did this on Mondays where the staff would go around and give a reason why they like Fridays as kind of a motivational tactic to get through the week. Okay, so I'm going to do a little bit of process of elimination here. Okay. I don't believe that any teacher ever would need to have a meeting to discuss why they like Fridays. <laughs> okay. I don't think that that's a thing that anybody would have to come up with because everybody likes Fridays. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to cross out C and B was when in life form like yeah. F O R M. Yes. Okay. I'm going to say it's not this one because that last word is weird to me. <laughs> I don't have a good reason for it. So I'm going to go with A. That's my final answer A. You got it, man. That is right. Woo-hoo! It is what I am looking for. Nicely done. I thought maybe you'd like the uh, why I like Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. I do like it. I just don't think it's a thing that anyone would do. Yeah, it, it seems a little pessimistic if you're starting on Mondays and already thinking about why uh, why you work for Friday. So mine is BIP. B-I-P. Okay, got it. A, bilingual intervention procedure. This is what a school or a district will put in place when they have a student who is learning a second language. And it's part of the procedure that they would use to help that student learn English and be able to also maintain fluency in their native tongue so that they can remain bilingual. Okay. B, behavior improvement plan. And this is something that a team would put together for a student to help them improve their behavior. Fairly, fairly clear. Okay. And then the third one is Bureau of Informational Progress is a government agency that oversees the education department and makes sure that they keep up with the latest educational research. And it's basically just another level of government bureaucracy. Okay. I'm going to eliminate C. Only because if I was making up acronyms for things, I quickly would go to Bureau for the B. Just like (laughs) if there was an F, I might go to like Federation. Or if there was an A, I'd go with Association. Uh Uh, That would be my first go-to for B. So I'm going to just eliminate that because it sounds the most made up. Okay. That's fair. All three of these could legitimately be some sort of organization or program and Like, you did a really good job with this. Um, Hey, thanks. Bilingual intervention program. Procedure. 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 And behavior. It's a set of rules that they follow. Behavior intervention or behavior. Improvement. Oh, man. I'm going to go with B, behavior improvement plan. Yes. We're both winners. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) I think usually when we do these, we're always wrong on everything. Yeah. So this is good. Yeah. Every time we've ever done one of these contests, we, we both lose. So it's nice to be a winner. All right. Do you know any crazy educational acronyms that you want to share? Shoot us an email at schooljapodcast.com or post it on our Facebook page at schooljapod. And let's take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. Today's episode of Schoolja is sponsored by Betterment, the only breath mint specifically designed for teachers. Did you eat garlic for lunch? Forget to brush your teeth after your morning cup of coffee? Have severe and untreatable halitosis? Then Betterment is for you. Let Betterment's refreshing blend of pure mint leaf oil, Saigon cinnamon, fresh wild ginger, and little chips of one of the few remaining glaciers in the world rejuvenate your mouth and make your students beg to have you lean over their desk to help them with a problem rather than recoil in horror at your violently foul dragon breath. Betterment. Mask your dragon. 
Welcome back! You know, change can be tough for anyone, but especially for kids. Yeah, it sure can. And whether you had to do it yourself or know someone who has, it's easy to understand why moving to a new town and a new school can be extremely difficult in a child's life. But what some people might not realize, and what research has shown us, is that any kind of transition, even transitioning from elementary to middle school or from middle school to high school, even within the same district with the same group of peers, often comes with some major challenges for students. Right. And since Clint and I have the distinct pleasure of working primarily with high school freshmen, the rookies of the high school world, <laughs> we thought we might have a few ideas about what a student needs to be successful as a ninth grader. We're going to dive into the skills, attitudes, and habits needed to get off on the right foot in the crazy high school world. And as this topic was suggested to us by a non-teacher listener to the pod, thanks Laura, we're also going to talk about some tips for parents to help them make the transition for their child a little bit smoother. So Chad, why don't you start us off? Probably the first one is that your grades matter. And what I mean by that specifically is that the grades that you get when you start high school are going to be going on to your official transcript. And probably more importantly, and especially like I'm a math teacher, so this comes into play a lot, is that if you don't pass certain classes, you have to retake them. So that is a big thing that we have to really preach to our incoming freshmen is that the grades you get starting now, they affect the next four years of your, your high school. And also... If you get a C your freshman year in something, then you're going to live with it in your GPA forever. And that can be difficult to overcome if you have a, a bad semester. It can be hard to make things up and, and get your grades up where you want them to be. So freshman year is a, is a big deal. There's a huge correlation with specifically the success you have as a freshman and graduation rates three years down the road. Right. And freshman year is challenging. It's, it's hard. And one of the big reasons is the fact that when you get into high school, you are going to be given a lot of freedom. In middle school and in elementary school, the rules are strict insofar as being able to use your phone, even being able to have a phone. And in high school, we tend to expect that our students will be able to have personal restraint and make those decisions correctly on their own. If a student chooses to not do their work, the teacher does not go and try to force them to do it. They encourage and do their best to, to help them understand the importance of it. But if they just choose to take a nap every day, that's a choice that they're making. And that, that can be uh, a difficult transition for kids to figure out. There is one more that I was kind of thinking of is that your teachers really do care about you and they really do want you to be successful, but they're not going to necessarily baby you through things. They are going to have expectations and they're going to give you lots of opportunities to come see them and ask for help, but they're not going to come to you every day and say, hey, you still need to make up this test or hey, you didn't do very well on this thing. I'll give you another chance to do it. They are going to expect that you will take some level of investment within your own education. I had a student uh, just this week ask me if I would make copies of the textbook problems for them who said, yeah, my teacher did that for me last year because I don't like to take a book home. I just kind of said, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, you're going to have to figure out either you're going to have to be responsible with a book or we're going to have to figure out another way, but I'm not going to make a copy for you every day. And it's not that I don't care. It's not that I don't want to see you be successful, but part of this is a responsibility that you need to learn. So those are some things to know. What about some things that they need to believe? I think the biggest one, and your current principal and fan of, well, maybe not fan, but friend of the podcast, <laughs> Lynn Jackson, it's kind of his family motto, but he often tells kids, you can do hard things. And so right. really believing I can do things that are difficult because I think a lot of kids come into high school and the effort level that is required goes up 
all of a sudden getting a B is a lot harder than it used to be. But if you really believe, you know what, this is hard, but I can do it, then I think you're more likely to be successful. You know, and in high school, giving up is really not an option anymore. Like you got to learn how to power through. So going along with those doing hard things, it's like we have got to develop that determination of I'm going to I'm going to work through this tough stuff and that I'm not going to give up on it. Another one kind of to go along with I can do hard things is I can try new things. Uh, there is so much stuff available to do in high school. So many different clubs and activities and extracurriculars and other things that are out there. And just being willing to go out and try stuff is a huge part. You're in if you can do that. This whole process is about a well-rounded education. And that's not just the classes that you're going to take. It's also the experiences that you're going to gain. The great thing about high school, too, is a lot of these opportunities, it's the only time in your life that you can do it for, for free. If I wanted to go take an art class right now, I have to go find it and pay for it. You know, if I'm a high school kid, I can do it within my, my school day. So with that... I guess the question is, what should parents do to help their kids be ready to be able to believe in themselves and and also uh, know how to know how to navigate the high school hallways? You know, it's funny. I, it was always a funny dynamic, like when we're conferencing, because they are asking me questions about, you know, what do I do? I got this 15 year old kid. I, it's my first one. You know, it's my oldest one. I've never had a 15 year old or, a, you know, a high school age student. And they're kind of like freaking out about just how they're changing and their attitudes and, and how high school works. And I'm like, I know nothing about the parenting part of it because I have like a, you know, eight year old. Um, I always kind of get a kick out of that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I guess I've raised thousands of high school kids, but only because they were students in my class. From what I've seen with lots and lots of kids that I've taught and then also with my own son, the first thing that I would say is that because that adjustment is difficult, be ready for the fact and expect that grades might drop a little bit at first because they're trying to figure out a whole bunch of new things. You just have to be ready for that and be able to help them work through it without jumping down their throats like, how come you're getting Bs all of a sudden? So just to clarify, just a minute ago, we were talking about how for students, your grades finally matter. What we mean by that is is this depends on whether or not you graduate. So passing your classes is super important. But with parents, what we're trying to let you know is that the difference between an A and a B or an A plus and an A minus is not that big of a deal, especially right at the beginning of the year. I think the parents that sometimes have the most difficult time with that are the parents who have seen their kids get straight A's all the way through middle school. And now all of a sudden they are seeing a few B's and it's like panic mode. The worst thing that we can do is you know add that extra pressure because it is hard for that kid. Being patient and understand that I think a lot of times, and I don't have any like data to back this up, but I would guess that for a lot of kind of higher achieving students, the second semester of freshman year is probably better than the first. Usually, yeah. But at the same time, keep up your expectations. That's a fine line to walk. I don't have super great advice on how to do that, but being understanding and having conversations with your kids and, and trying to uh, explain to them that you have these expectations, but you also understand that it's a challenge and let's work through it together. I think that togetherness makes it a lot better. Well, and I would venture one suggestion, and I think that is along the lines of let's try to figure out what we define success as and not make it based on the grade. Understand that the whole point of this is that they're progressing and, and learning and not necessarily that, you know, they don't have an A. Obviously, we see a lot of parents who are very stuck on the valedictorian thing and the straight A thing and my kid needs to get into this school and 
I understand all those things are important, but also more important is that you're supporting your kid and understanding that there needs to be a joy for the learning. We talked earlier about how there are going to be a lot of new freedoms. Uh, You may be offering new privileges. For example, in my family, that's when uh, our kids get a phone for the first time. And being able to say, listen, when you get this phone or you get the opportunity to join this club or whatever it is that's happening, you can say, but you have to maintain your responsibilities and is and when you don't, these are the consequences and you can pull back on some of that stuff. And I think for most people, when they know the expectation ahead of time and they understand that this whatever privilege you're giving them is in fact a privilege that can be taken away, they're way more careful with it. And they're more likely to keep pushing and not think of it as just a right. The flip side of that, or the, the second part to that, is that I oftentimes will see parents pulling their kids from those activities when, when, like we said, grades drop a little bit. It seems to be the first thing that they, they pull is, you know, hey, you're not keeping your grades up. Um, I'm going to not let you play football until those get up, or I'm not going to let you, you know, continue in the play. Then, and there's kind of, I think, two reasons for that a lot of times is number one, parents see that it's taking all your time, and so therefore you're not able to study. Or number two, it's a carrot that I'm, you know, trying to keep in front of you to keep your grades up. In my experience, very rarely does that work because number one, I don't see a lot of times kids using that extra two hours that they would have been at practice going home and studying. And then the second thing is with the carrot, as much as it's a carrot for them to do well and to keep playing, if they're not happy and if they're missing something in their life that they really love, I think it's going to be hard to keep them motivated anyway. So I just always, like when I hear that, like, yeah, we're pulling them from this because, you know, their grades aren't good. I always kind of just cringe a little bit and say, I don't know, you know, I don't necessarily agree that that's the best choice. I completely understand that. I think it's a tough balancing act for parents because the academic part is the main part of school. That's why it was established. But we want to make sure that your kids are as successful as possible. But you have to help them work through the issues. Like you, You want to do these two things. Let's figure out the way to do them both well instead of one well and one badly. If we're talking about like learning skills for life too, it sends a lot of wrong messages in that, oh, well, my plate's too full of things I've committed to. I'm just going to drop one of them. I'm just going to leave somebody behind. And part of the this whole process is, you know, like we said, learning that you can do hard things. And, uh, you know, something that's hard is keeping your grades up and, and staying involved in athletics and, and extracurricular things. And that's hard. So let's let's yeah. let's support our kids in, in doing that. So another thing, this is a tip for parents that doesn't necessarily have as much to do with the kids as it does with parent instinct and behavior. It can be really tempting with the technology that is available to constantly keep up on your students' grades. I think it's important to know what's going on, but I don't recommend constantly checking. So don't be one of those helicopter parents or grade hawks that's harping on, what's your grade? What are you doing? How come you're missing this score? Because it can just be stress-inducing on the child and make them feel like you just don't trust them to do anything. As a teacher, it's also really aggravating. I mean, great example, we're three weeks into school and right now my math students have two things that are in the grade book. And so like just the, the mathematics of it is like if they didn't do really well on one little thing, they could be getting a 
ID. And it's not the most accurate of information. Sometimes there's really nothing that you can do. If there's only a few things in the grade book and they didn't do well on a test, okay, you could stay after school, but you're just going to sit there. I don't have anything additional for you. You didn't do well on one test. It can be a problem where then the kid resents parents because teachers saying, well, there's nothing I can have you do right now. And so the kid feels like, oh, I'm, my time's getting wasted. And, and that's not good either. It's not a good thing for anyone. <laughs> We're going to wrap this discussion up with one more main point. Ultimately, the parent's job and the school's job is to prepare students for life. They're going to need to know how to work through these challenges on their own so that then when they've moved on out of high school, they can repeat the successful strategies that they learned from you and from their teachers. So we're all on the same team. We're all shooting for the same goal. And as long as we're patient with each other and, and care about each other, we should all be pretty successful. Well, if we've missed anything or if you have some suggestions out there for what a freshman needs to do to be successful in high school or what parents can do to help their students out, send us an email at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can put it on Facebook at schooljapod. And now, another word from one of our sponsors. Hey everyone, Chad again, co-host of Schooljap. You know, being a teacher on a tight budget and still wanting to dress nice for work is almost an impossible task. I mean, clothes are spendy and I certainly don't have time to go shopping for school clothes. Plus, I know within a week my brand new dress shirt is going to have a pin mark or a small coffee stain anyway. That's why I'm so excited to have found Mr. Jones Closet, the online clothing club for the busy teacher. It's really cool. For a small monthly fee, my personal stylist sends me an old copy paper box with three pre-owned, lightly worn outfits. I try them on, and if I don't like them, I send them back at no extra cost. I pay for only what I keep. The best part is all the clothes have been donated by other teachers. So those pen marks and food stains are already there, which I now no longer have to feel bad about ruining my perfectly brand new shirt. Go to Mr. Jones Closet online and mention us to receive $3 off your first month of membership. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. Mr. Jones Closet, because it's a filthy, filthy, filthy job. And welcome back to our third and favorite segment of the show, Dad, Dad Chat. It's a time for us to reflect on some of the things that are making us happy. Chad, why don't you kick us off? Alrighty. Well, if you remember last season, I talked about the field trip I took to the Body Worlds exhibit in Portland back in 2010 or so. It was a class that I taught called Human Performance. And this was a class that I taught for about four or five years. It's an elective where students get a chance to learn a little bit about uh, nutrition and anatomy and kinesiology and sports psychology and kind of just tip of the iceberg on some different topics associated with human performance as athletes and dancers and fields that relate to that. So it's a class I, I really used to love to, to teach and never thought I would, well, I, I didn't think I would get a chance to do it at least in the next few years. And so about a week after school ended last June, I got a call from my principal and there were some scheduling things that opened up and I, and and he said, hey, looks like you're going to have one extra period or one open period. Would you like to teach human performance again? And I said, heck yes. So it was really cool because it's a class that I absolutely love to teach. I, you know, I'm a math teacher, but I do have PE and health background as well. And I've taught all of that. But this is a class that is so much different than math, obviously, not just in content, but it's also something that I, you know, I'm personally very passionate about. What's also really fun about it is I don't have that, you know, kind of prescribed not only curriculum, but also kind of the pressure of making sure that 
that we're getting to a certain point by the end of the year. And, and like we've talked about in this show, there's a ton of pressure uh, with math for kids to be successful in terms of graduation. And this is a class, it's an elective course that kids take because they simply want to and they're interested in it. So just that piece alone is really enjoyable to kind of have the freedom and the flexibility. It's one of those classes where I have a planned lesson for the day, but a student will come in with a question or a comment. There's no problem in taking 20 or 30 minutes kind of going off track and, and going down that road and having that discussion as a group because it's not like I have this agenda that I have to make sure I meet that day. So there's just a lot of fun things about it. And just knowing that I was going to get to teach that class all summer really kind of invigorated me from the middle of June on in getting back in, into school. So I am teaching that class this fall and having a blast doing it. Still enjoying my math classes, of course, but it's been a lot of fun getting to change gears at least for 50 minutes a day and do something a little bit different. So that's that's my news. That's awesome. I'm super jealous of all those kids who get to learn all those gross things. I hate to say this, but one of the most educational parts of the class is when one of the students gets injured because they come in and we get to talk about what their doctors have told them. I mean, I've had kids bring in x-rays and MRIs and, and we wow. can talk about that. And I probably have 30 kids in there now. I think probably 28 of them are currently playing a sport. And so we're able to connect it to a lot of the things they're doing right now. That sounds great and so applicable to most of those kids. That's that's fantastic. Totally. So what do you got? Well, I'm going to talk about also something that I mentioned uh, last season that I took over the Patrick Henry forensics team, which, if you recall, is basically like a competitive speech and drama team. And I don't know a lot about it, but it's really fun so far. I feel like I am just barely keeping my head above water, but we have four amazing captains. Captains. All four of them are seniors and all four of them are state champions, not individually, but they were part of the state championship team last year. And they have been so fantastic at just coming in, giving me guidance as to what I need to do to help them be successful. And we had tryouts a couple of weeks ago and we were expecting maybe four or five kids who would be interested in this because it's kind of a niche thing. It's not something that you get a ton of glory from. Most of the school doesn't know what we're talking about when we say forensics, they think. CSI, but we had 14 new people and 11 or 12 of them were freshmen join the team this year. And they're all pretty talented. The team overall has doubled in size this year, which is super cool and also kind of scary because it means a lot more people to keep track of. But currently they're looking for pieces to perform and we're working together on, on those kinds of things. And it's such a great way to start my day. We have, we meet every other day in my classroom in the morning from about 7.40 till about 8.30 when the rest of the school gets to school. And they're just bubbly, happy, cheerful people in the morning, which is unusual for high school students. And they give me a lot of energy on those mornings. So I'm just really happy that that's all working out and that the kids are accepting me as a novice coach. So that's that's been good. Man, that's awesome. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Have a question? Have any weird educational acronyms or tips for freshmen that you want to share? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at schooljapod. You can also find me on Twitter at Astoria. Follow me on Instagram at Chatterboxes, and don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. The lovely intro and outro music you are enjoying right now was performed by my beautiful wife, Nikki. And all our sponsors are fake, but our artwork is not. Big thanks to Corey Logan for our fantastic cover design. Find him on Instagram at Corey Logan Art. Also, this episode was edited by Clint, the main man, Hill. <laughs> okay.
if you liked what you heard, except for that last sentence, please subscribe. <laughs> and go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people find us. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Yeah, man, that was a doozy.